0: Welcome to Asia Rising, the podcast from La Trobe Asia, where we discuss the news, views, and general happenings of Asian states and societies. I'm your host, Matt Smith. Australian studies is a well-established area of learning in China, and today's guest is a leading authority on the study of Australian perceptions in Asia. David Walker is a professor of Australian studies at Deakin University. He was previously the inaugural BHP Billiton Chair of Australian Studies at Peking University, and he now teaches a master's course at Beijing Foreign Studies University. He's found that students in China are eager to learn more about Australia.
1: The network uh, of Australian Studies centres and programs is really quite a large one in China. I mean, I used to say and still say that um, there are more Australian Studies centres in China than there are in the rest of the world combined. Mm-hmm. The number varies a little bit depending on how you count them, but there are about 40, upwards of 40 Australian Studies Centres across China. Some of them are quite substantial. So uh, Beijing Foreign Studies University uh, has a full MA program, uh, undergraduate courses, PhD mm. students in Australian Studies. Rinmin University has a strong program, Peking University hosts the Chair of Australian Studies. East China Normal University uh, where you've uh, been recently has a very strong Australian Studies program. So there are probably maybe 12 to 15 that you'd put in the really uh, quite strong, well-established ongoing centres with significant uh, research and teaching interest in Australia. Mm. And there'd be another group that are more recently established, but quite uh, have a quite strong presence in their institutions. So broadly speaking, it's a pretty strong program and should be better understood in Australia. I Mm, think mm. that that we have this quite worthwhile, well-established Australian Studies program in China.
0: What sort of uh, topics are Chinese students interested in then when they want to learn about Australia?
1: a very wide range of topics. I mean, the the programs began, understandably, around literature and linguistics. This centre uh, was established in 1983. So it has a strong literature, linguistics uh, origin, but uh, it's now diversified into a MA program that has, uh, you know, history, international relations, The MA that I'm teaching is on Australia as an Asia-Pacific nation. Mm. Uh, So there's quite a broad range. And it's now, I think, understood in China that you can move into those territories without getting into too much difficulty in a way. There used to be a sense, I think, that literature was, was a safer field. You could discuss literature and writing without getting into... Uh, Terribly contentious questions. But now I think there's a feeling that you can pretty well discuss any topic Mm. within that, um, you know, politics, economics, history, international relations framework, along with the cultural studies, literature, linguistics Mm. uh, fields as well. There's a lot of
0: countries that are vying for China's attention, and Australia thinks about China more and more for. Mm. quite a fair few reasons. Can you give me some sort of sense of what China thinks about Australia, if, if at all?
1: Uh, China does think about Australia. It might not be as much as Australia imagines that China thinks about us, but there's a recognition that uh, Australia is an Asia-Pacific nation, so it's understood, particularly among the students that I talk to, of course, it's understood that um, Australia is part of the region it's understood that the Australian reliance on China economically is pretty strong, but but Australian investment in China is also considerable. And I had a uh, (coughs) Chinese colleague say to me uh, very recently that 10 years ago, Chinese students would not necessarily have thought of uh, studying in Australia, you know, that it wasn't really priority destination for them. But now, Australian universities were recognized as being uh, worthwhile institutions. Australia was a good place to study. It was a safe place to study. And it was a country with quite large uh, Chinese communities uh, that they could um, fit into comfortably. So in the major cities, Sydney, Melbourne in particular, I think there's a very strong sense that that Australia is a uh, friendly, congenial, kind of place and a good place to study. The number of Chinese people when you meet them who say, you know, they've got a cousin or a, or a nephew or whatever, working in Australia or um, studying in Australia is considerable.
0: I think the, the Australian perspective,
1: there's a considerable amount of fear about the
0: unknown of what China could present though. What do you think about that?
1: There's always been a measure of unease about what the rise of China might mean Australia. And of course, a lot of people appreciate that the rise of China has meant a very good thing for Australia because the economic relationship has been so strong. Mm. And even those who are sometimes sceptical about the fact that there was a global financial crisis will rush to recognise that it was China that was uh, to a degree responsible for saving us from recession. Mm. So I think there's a pretty widespread recognition in Australia that that China really matters to us. There have recently been, as you would know, some rather dissonant notes added to that discourse which suggests that that there's something dangerous or suspicious or troubling about China that we should be wary of. Mm. And I think that's a concern because the strength of the relationship may be through the heart of the boom was um, very considerable, relations were with China were very good uh, the diplomatic relationship was very strong free trade agreement etc but I think as if the economic it's not exactly a downturn in China but if the slowdown in China continues there may be an opportunity there for those who wish to express some kind of scepticism about China or air yeah, their suspicions about China might become emboldened to do so. So Mm. I think there's that potential in Australia for the naysayers to, to start speaking more loudly and airing their concerns, many of which are very, very old and have been around, you know, obviously since the late 19th century in one form or another.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, China's got a long history with Australia, going back to probably the gold goldfield, so mm. 1840s or so. Mm. Do you teach that aspect of that here? And are, are Chinese, are they surprised at all to find how far back
1: Australia's relationship goes? Uh, there is an interest in the depth of the relationship because uh, a lot of them don't have a good sense of that uh, historical background. And quite a few... Chinese students uh, have said to me, and I discussed this in particular at uh, Peking University. They were very interested in that uh, mm. in that history. They are also less concerned about the racial prejudice uh, that was exhibited towards the Chinese than I might have imagined. They kind of understood that that was an a historically uh, generated hostility that belonged to its period, that mm. Australia had moved on from that. But they were nonetheless interested in it as an expression of, uh, of hostility and cultural animosity. I think it's also, going back to that earlier point about Australian studies in China, it always seems to me now that the, the depth of that relationship in ways that are often not terribly clear help create those connections, help enable all of those Australian studies centres in one form or another. Mm. And the comparison for me is South Korea, where we have a very strong economic relationship up there, number three in the hierarchy or whatever, of trading partners. But there's no significant history of interconnection between Australia and South Korea. So South Korea has one Australian studies Center and one Australian Studies program. Where's that at? At uh, Yonsei University right. in uh, in Seoul. Yeah, and in fact, it's really quite interesting because I think the difficulty of building that connective tissue, if you like, mm. is so much harder in a society that has no history to look back upon, no no shared history, and even if that history has had its very difficult moments, even even if there is prejudice, hostility. And nastiness—it's mm. still a shared history. It's still something we can talk about and examine <laughs> and analyze. Yeah. Whereas in the South Korean situation, there's a kind of vacuum, and it's pretty hard to do much with a with a vacuum. And it's clear that that program, which I visited, really struggles to establish a presence, and particularly so, uh, of course, as South Korea is so focused on the U.S. So. For us to get a toehold there is both very important and very difficult. Mm. We've got one here, and it really matters to us. I think you had a book out a few
0: years ago that you had some some challenges while you were getting it translated. Is that true? Because that's of right. the content.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, the it was anxious nation Australia and the rise of Asia. So that made this nation anxious. It did. It did in a way. I mean, the. The source of anxiety was not so much the people doing the translation. The concern was when it reached the publisher. All universities have publishing houses, all the big ones do, and the people in the publishing houses are often very sensitive to anything that they know might get them into trouble. So they're aware of the things they should not mention. And in this instance, it was the people in the publishing house who spoke to the translator about some of the images in the book which were clearly anti-Chinese. You know, they were examples of 19th century anti-Chinese prejudice. Mm. And the translator had to explain two things. A, these are not the sentiments of the author. Uh, These are historical examples of... The kind of prejudice that existed in that period and b we need to see what those kinds of prejudice were in order to properly analyze that mm. relationship to asia so it took a bit of discussion to establish that i wasn't endorsing or in some ways uh, promoting anti-Chinese sentiment. Mm.
0: Can I ask you where your interest in, in this aspect
1: of Australian history came from? Yes, you can. Um, I was conscripted for a service in the um, Vietnam War. I often say that I'm extremely unlucky in lotteries, but the only one I won was the um, conscription lottery, so my marble <laughs> came up. That, of course, got me thinking a little bit about um, Southeast Asia, Vietnam, not a topic and not a country that had come to my attention very much growing up in Adelaide in South Australia. Mm. And the other factor which sort of sat there in the background in a way was one of my uncles was served in the Air Force and was sent to uh, Ambon in the Netherlands, East Indies, and was captured by the Japanese and beheaded. The family wasn't they weren't raging bigots at all, but they were certainly troubled by this episode, understandably so. And that understanding, growing up in that family, and understanding that somehow this place called Japan had had a quite significant impact on our family, was also a kind of drip feed into the imagination. Mm. And then when I did the PhD at ANU and went there in 1968, that was a point at which there was a growing interest in, in the Asian connection and discussions like is Australia part of Asia were beginning to, to emerge at that stage. And while my PhD didn't address those subjects, I became aware in the course of researching that subject that a lot of the writers that I was interested in had a point of view about Asia of one kind or another, so Mm. that I was aware that there was a topic around the edge of my PhD (laughs) that I wasn't addressing. And in a sense, I came back to the missing link, uh, if you like, when the opportunity to do so arose.
0: Do you think that if everybody in Australia came to visit China, what do you
1: think that perspective would do? I think if everyone came to China, they would get a, a better... Perspective on China, if only because a kind of abstract understanding of a place like China can so easily turn to some of the darker stereotypes about what the Chinese are up to, and you know, there's something menacing lurking there. Whereas, actually, knowing the people, and of course, the people aren't the same as the state, so you can't conflate the two, but knowing Chinese people helps to humanize and normalize. China, you Mm. know, and I think the other thing that was really important in the previous position was that that I was actually working at the university alongside my Chinese colleagues. So I wasn't, in a sense, a drop-in visiting academic who was doing the things that the institution permitted me to do and allowed me to do. I was involved with my Chinese colleagues in shaping the program, in building a presence for Australian Studies at Peking University and they've been working alongside them and working with them and when you do that you get a much better sense of the constraints that they're working with uh, the logic that they bring to a situation you get out of the habit which I think is a fairly deeply embedded one of thinking that if anything is done differently or goes wrong in the way you're dealing with China, that it's their fault. They've mucked it up somehow, or they've not understood, they've somehow messed it up. Whereas when you work here for a time, you just realise there is often a very different logic about how you might do something, and a different pace about how you might do something, and a different consultative process about how you might do something. It might not be entirely to your liking in every respect but you have to understand that you have to pause before judging and you have to listen before speaking in order to get a better sense of how things are done in in that place
0: that's david walker professor of australian studies at deakin university currently teaching a master's course at beijing foreign studies university and you've been listening to asia rising If you like this podcast, you can subscribe to it on iTunes and SoundCloud. Please leave us a review there and tell your friends about it. I'm Matt Smith, and thanks for listening.